0: in a time that is volatile, join us. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. I recently had the pleasure of speaking at the Global Artificial Intelligence Summit, and I was surrounded by amazing, amazing leaders. And I was able to connect and meet our guest. Her name is Elizabeth Adams, and I'm so excited to interview her and let me tell you a little bit about her. She is a keynote speaker. She is the key constituent for the UN for the roundtable 3C on artificial intelligence. I can't even tell you how many talents that this amazing woman has. She has written a book that we're gonna talk about called Little AI and Petey. She has just such a plethora of work experience and education. She has a graduate degree in business management from Bethel University. She has a leadership development certificate from John Hopkins. She went to Cornell and studied diversity and inclusion. And recently, she has finished her MBA at Capella. So please help me welcome Elizabeth Adams. Thank
1: you. Thank you so very much. This is so exciting to be here. I'm so well,
0: excited. you know, I love the power of networking, and I have to say, I've said this so many times since we started the podcast back in May, I love technology. It's, it's a blessing and a curse, all wrapped in one with a big red bow, but I couldn't imagine <laughs> COVID-19 without the connection.
1: Exactly. Except it's been an adjustment
0: for all of us, right? And yet here we are today. Absolutely. So I'm going to jump right in with my first leadership question. Could you share Elizabeth, where your love of technology and artificial intelligence derives from?
1: I would love to, but there are two different tracks. So I've been in technology for about 25 years. And I actually started... Um, Being interested in technology many, many years ago when I was working at Best Buy headquarters here in Minnesota, and I was an accountant at the time and I saw that there was this concept of IT management, project management, and, and I was very curious and that's how I approach everything. But I didn't get a chance to become an IT manager at um, Best Buy. It wasn't until a few years later and a few careers later, and I ended up as a project manager in the IT department at Nextel and had a phenomenal career leading lots of large teams and lots of innovative projects. And so I've always been very excited about that. It wasn't until a couple years ago that I got interested in artificial intelligence. was at a place in life where I was looking for kind of the next thing, the next emerging technology for me to kind of plant myself in. And a series of life events happened and I thought this might be a good time. It's actually a perfect time for me to move into this space. And so for the last two years, I've really immersed myself into what does artificial intelligence mean from behind the scenes, from people who are creating the models that the artificial intelligence systems use to the people who are impacted by the artificial intelligence systems and artificial intelligence principles and ethical tech design, and just really started exploring that and actually wrote a short book on that to kind of help me crystallize my message. So kind of two tracks started, you know, 25 years ago, with the curiosity into IT management and project management. And then a couple years ago, I moved into artificial intelligence. And it has just been a a fascinating, fascinating discipline.
0: Well, I know participating alongside uh, with you in the Global AI Summit, there was such a diversified group of talent and expertise. And I learned so much. And AI has been in our daily lives for so many years now. And, And I look at how much we use it in our everyday lives from Google Maps to Siri to Uber to Netflix and just so many different AI examples within sectors. So it's going to be a fun ride to watch where this goes. And I look forward to seeing your imprint on that. And I would love for you to just share a little bit about the book that you wrote, Little AI and Petey.
1: Yes, thank you. So this book actually came to me in my writing um, last year, last summer, actually, June of 2019. And one of the ways that I develop solutions for very, very challenging technology problems is to write, is to write short stories. And so this just kind of came to me and I thought, what creative way could I, um, what what kind of creative solutions could I put forward that would help children learn about safe technology? And I had done a learning event on smart toys. And once I realized some of the ways that artificial intelligence makes its way into the homes through the toys that children use, and the parents might not be aware, I thought this would be a great opportunity to kind of share that in a short story. So um, the story is really about little AI and who is um, an artificial intelligence, makes its way into a community of kids. And one of the kids, Petey, invites AI into his home, very much like other smart toys. And the mother is concerned with all that that little AI knows and says, you're not welcome here until you can be safe for our family. And so um, little AI goes and does a transformation and becomes safe just like many of the companies out here who, you know, update their artificial intelligence um, uh, products to make them safer for our homes. And so, once that happens, Little A.I. and P.D. become the best of friends and um, carry on with life. So it's a fun book for me and I've gotten a lot of interest. I actually had two young people who are a part of my church actually write a jingle for it. So. It's just been a fun experience, and um, I'm just so excited that that children around the world are able to um, read this short story and find some meaning in it in their own lives.
0: Well, and I love that you've just taken your knowledge and your expertise and, and saw a window of opportunity to write and create something for the younger generation. And I know that you also have that set up as an ebook. So we'll make sure that we get that in the episode description for our listeners. Thank you. Now, here comes my favorite question What imperfections does Elizabeth bring to her heart centered leadership?
1: Oh, I would say what I have to constantly work on is imposter syndrome. No matter what kinds of accolades come my way, it is still hard for me to believe that I get into some of the spaces and I'm speaking with some of the global thought leaders and I'm helping advise nations on AI ethics or through my Stanford fellowship in race and tech that I'm involved with scholars, you know, to create new guidelines for facial recognition technology. And so, um, and and the reason why that imposter syndrome or or that part of the imperfectness is there is because I've always kind of wanted this, but it came in a way that I wasn't really expecting. And so I have to, you know, it's not because I went, did the, um, you know, traditional path of school, right? So you start, it's taken me a while to complete my MBA. Um, I zigzag through life, picking up these little nuggets of information that I take with me everywhere I go that kind of help frame my thoughts on uh, certain things. And so I would say imposter syndrome, even though you wouldn't know it, you wouldn't know it.
0: Well, this is why I started this podcast. This is why I love hearing, again, from someone like you, an executive, someone in the tech and AI space. And what I love the most when I ask that question, Elizabeth, is everyone laughs and I hear, oh, Deb, we don't have enough time or there's so many. How many do you want? And I love the openness and the vulnerability because I truly, truly believe that imperfection is one of the best qualities you can have when you foster, mentor, and execute your leadership.
1: Absolutely. I mean, through that, I'm sorry, through that space of vulnerability, I have been able to tap into some courage for myself that I didn't even know was possible. And I call that learning out loud, which is there are folks that will see your voice shaking or they will hear your voice shaking, I should say, or See you, you know, uncomfortable giving a presentation, but do it anyway. And I am so thankful that I have found that kind of deep courage because what's on the other side of that imposter syndrome or that fear has just been greatness. It just blows my mind sometimes.
0: Well, there is another definition for LOL <laughs> learning out loud. I love it. And you know, I often refer to my Irish Nana, and she used to say to me, when you get up and talk in front of people, even if your voice is shaky and there's butterflies in your stomach, that's your ego just letting you know you're in check. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't have that little remnant of fear, then that's when we should worry. But when we have the butterflies and the shaky voice... yes." We're leading as a servant leader. We're leading Absolutely. With, We're leading with a message and there's no room for ego. So I love that.
1: Absolutely.
0: Now, my third question is with your education that you've completed, congrats on finishing your MBA. Thank you. And all of your work experience to date. What is your hope for where AI lands in our daily lives more than it already is right now?
1: Well, AI, as you know, is making its way into our lives, as we've talked about. I mean, AI can predict traffic patterns and it can you know, be used behind video surveillance to track um, people in communities. And what I hope is that it becomes more inclusive of all people, meaning um, communities of color and vulnerable populations because right now the systems that are being developed um, that make their way into our communities are not real inclusive. They don't involve um, diverse perspectives. And so when they make their way out into the marketplace, it's usually vulnerable populations or communities of color that are harmed by these. And this is part of why I got into AI ethics to kind of help organizations and individuals understand the second and third order consequences of certain AI-enabled technologies. And it's the reason why I work with elected officials in the city of Minneapolis, is to help them to understand when you procure AI-enabled technology, let's just make sure there's transparency in it and we know how the companies have developed the tool, why they're collecting data, how they're collecting data, how they're modeling it, because when it makes its way into our societies, we have to just make sure that citizens are protected. So my hope is that companies, and there are a lot who are starting to do this, will build in responsible AI um, processes within their teams. Maybe they'll even hire a responsible executive, responsible AI executive, so that everyone is safe when it comes to technology.
0: Well, I'm just gonna put a period at the end of that because I, I have nothing else to add. And I knew when I framed that question that you were gonna unpack it as beautifully as you did. So we're just gonna leave that right there. All right. <laughs> now, my last question um, is all about D&I. Yeah. I, w- I would love for you to explain or tell us how you teach the value of honoring diverse cultures and learning from others within the workplace?
1: Oh, wow, that is a phenomenal, phenomenal question. And it's the same way that I approach talking to leaders around um, inclusion in artificial intelligence. And you start with people just being humans. You take away these kind of concepts that create um, separate groups. You say, at the end of the day, we are all humans. And part of uh, what I include in my learning events is I create these profiles of people who, you know, someone might be the uh, coach for a soccer team, or they might be um, the leader of a Girl Scouts. It could be a number of different things, and I, but I don't put a picture up and I don't put a name up. And at the end of the learning event, I do put up diverse uh, faces so that people can understand that these are my neighbors. These are the parents of um, my children's friends so that we develop empathy around what others are going through and why inclusion is so important. Um, I really hope that we can move past the diversity and inclusion conversation and really start getting into belonging. And the reason why I say that is because diversity and inclusion has been a topic in my family for over 100 years. Actually, my grandfather was the first Black firefighter in St. Paul, Minnesota, and he started in 1885 and retired as the captain in 1926. So I have a history of family members, my great-grandfather, my grandfather, and mother, and me, all who have worked in various perspectives of society around diversity and inclusion and so belonging really is just everyone can bring their whole self to a situation to a conversation and yes we do identify with the differences there's no way that we should get around someone being a different color or someone having a different ethnic ethnic background or celebrate differently those are differences that we should celebrate and value so for me Um, I just use very human, very basic human concepts to talk to individuals. And if I could just do, say, share one more thing. I was in a conversation yesterday. It was a safe space call, so I won't get into all the details. But one of the solutions that I offered was, why don't we just pair people up who volunteer to have a conversation? It does, we could take the words diversity and inclusion out of it. We could take the words mentor, coach advocate sponsor out of it. And just let two people have a conversation to get to know each other. Because I think when we get to know each other, we have an appreciation for what people might be going through or what their background is. And they're just people at the
0: end of the day. So I hope that was helpful. (laughs) Well, and you know, I say this almost every podcast episode, what a lovely approach to take common sense and make it into common practice. Mm -hmm. And I loved how you just framed that. Wouldn't it be nice to just reframe that and use the word belonging? And what a lovely story uh, about your family and and having that history. And that's what I love about these conversations is history cannot be taken away. It's permanent. Mm -hmm. So as we talk about technology and AI and all the other things that are constant and consistent and imprinted in our life, History is another one of those cognitive emotional memories that it'll just be near and dear to your heart forever. And what a lovely story to tell.
1: Thank you. It, it actually feeds into what we do and how we show up in life, right? And those are the, that's the reason why I said it's so important to have these conversations so you understand what someone is bringing to the conversation beyond a technical skill right? It's the soft skills and it's also their history and the way that they process life.
0: I couldn't agree more. (laughs) I like to end the podcast with the fab four. These are just four fun questions, Elizabeth, whatever's sitting on the top of your mind. Okay. Are you ready? I am. Okay. First question. What is your favorite childhood memory?
1: Oh my gosh, I was in the Little Miss Minnesota pageant and I got to tap dance and sing and just really have a lot of fun entertaining. Um, So that that was a lot of fun. That was a great childhood memory.
0: If you could meet and have dinner with anyone in the world, they could be living or passed away, who would it be and why?
1: Wow. Well, it would have to be Claude Bristol, who wrote a book called The Magic of Believing. And it really is about your intuition. It's about visualization. The book came out in the 30s, actually. And so what's inspiring to me is that there was a group of people way back then, and even before then, I'm sure, who really understood the power of imagination the power of creating a vision board, the power of having these images in front of you of who you want to be and how you want to serve uh, the world. And so I would just love to have dinner with Claude Bristol.
0: My third question is, if I gave you a magic wand and any wish for the world, what would your wish be for our world right now?
1: Two things. Peace and to eliminate hunger. Um, I do not, cannot, do not like to see children who are hungry or children who are living in um, communities that are not peaceful. So peace and I'd love to eliminate hunger in every single person, for every single person in this world.
0: Beautiful, and my last question Elizabeth Adams, what do you want your legacy to be?
1: Ooh, that's a good one. I would love for people to say that I inspired them to take a chance in life or be creative in some way that they didn't think was possible. That is what I hope is that when someone's like, I, she inspired me to go read this book or she inspired me to go for this job or she inspired me to take up this new skill, Um, And I think that is indicative of my own life. I've just done so many different things, but they've all led to this point in time. And I just want people to just push past their fears and just try, follow their curiosity. And so I hope that that is the legacy that I
0: leave. Well, you inspire me. I do believe in, in serendipitous moments. I think we were both to be at that global AI summit. I loved loved our first conversation. I I embraced your creativity, innovation, and bright light and wanted you on the podcast. So thank you for sharing your time and expertise and you just keep inspiring the world and, and having your place out there in the AI world, because I am happy to stay connected and continue to watch you rise.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate it.
0: I like to end my podcast with my list of five things that I feel help us lead a purposeful life. Follow your heart, have passion, do your best, know your truth and always be in love with the journey. This is Deb Crow. Thank you for joining me once again on Imperfect, the heart-centered leadership podcast.